The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The world's changing. And what are things we can do to, to transform our business and engage our fans globally in different ways? People are using their name and likeness to create more opportunities, more stakes in companies. In order to turn the organization around, we had to turn it around not only just on the baseball operations side, but on the business operations side. Football and any other sport is very difficult, but I like to broaden my horizons and be able to expand sports. You need to be consumed live. And that's a big competitive advantage for intellectual property holders of sports content in the media landscape. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Scarlett Fu. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. And we're talking about some of the biggest issues in the sports industry. And we have a lot to talk about. So I I don't know where to begin. So let's start, uh, let's say we, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I want to start with him, uh, and he has a bit of a reputation, doesn't he? Yeah, I, yeah. He was the one that said that the uh, the Earth is flat. Okay, that's a reputation. <laughs> yeah, and now he, you know, he's he's an anti vaxxer and he's pushing that around the league, and it's gaining traction. Uh, Lynchy, uh, Kyrie Irving was with the Celtics yeah. for about a year, wasn't he? He was. He's he's a contrarian. Um, if you said, boy, it's a sunny day today, he said, no, it looks like it's raining to me. And that's just the, his his nature. Um, the bigger problem here is that a number of cities have mandated. Now, New York is one of them. They house Madison Square Garden for the Knicks and the Barclays Center for his team, the Brooklyn Nets. San Francisco's Chase Center, which houses the Warriors. And now the Boston Garden has come on board and saying <clears throat> all players, anybody that en- enters the building must be vaccinated. So there's going to come to a head right here. Some players have threatened to miss home games because they just don't want to get vaccinated. So they there's would be no gone for half the season. At 41 games. 41 games if they stand up to it. Absolutely. So there's going to be a big problem here. Um, however, you can dodge it if you have uh, religious issues. And, of course, that goes all the way back to Muhammad Ali and refusing induction into the United States Army because of religious conviction. So I think we got, we're headed to court here unless there's some type of resolution. And it's not just him, obviously, because there are 50 to 60 NBA players who have yet to receive a single vaccine dose, um, according to some reports. So there's a lot of people who are kind of using uh, Kyrie as, as, a, as a case study. There's yeah, one person we haven't heard from also who's a big, big name in the NBA is LeBron James. He has not mentioned if he has taken the vaccine or not. I don't understand what the what the problem is. Now, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came out, and of course, uh, he is a Muslim, uh, and he said he went on camera with Arnold Schwarzenegger and got his vaccination right away. And he just said, you know, mm-hmm. people who are, who are opposed to science here, if their child was sick, they take them right to a doctor. What can I do, doctor? Can I get to, can I get some medicine? Can I get some penicillin, amoxicillin to help my child right here? Yet when it comes to vaccination for themselves, 
they're refusing to do so, and he doesn't. Very different it. generation, though, and I suppose if you're an NBA player who hasn't gotten vaccinated, you can look at what happened with uh, the bubble format that they did last year and, and say, mm-hmm. you know, it worked. Was it mm-hmm. perfect? No, but it did work. Just a point of contrast here: the NHL apparently ninety-eight percent of the players are vaccinated. So, um, j- just different winter sport. Uh, in some cases, similar arenas, right? MSG for both yes. the Rangers and the Knicks. Um, you have a higher level of compliance there. And this isn't just like Kyrie. Oh, Kyrie, come on now. No, Irving serves as vice president on the executive committee of the Good players' point. union. Yeah. Yes. So this brings up many issues, and he can he can push this now to the union. Is like, hey, why do we have to get vaccinated? Now I'm not getting into you know the argument of should you get vaccinated or shouldn't get vaccinated. That you know that's what you want. You know whatever. But I am saying is that how much of a disruption could this be for the uh, upcoming season? Well, if ha- if the players don't play in home games, that's a massive disruption. Yeah. Sure it is. Uh, the camps, they report the camp next week. The first game, I think, is October 19th. So this is coming down the track very, very quickly. You know, if, standing from the outside looking in, if every fan in the arena has to be vaccinated and show proof of it and everybody on the sideline coaches assistant coaches concessionaires ushers security people you name it the people that drive the zamboni have to be vaccinated why shouldn't the players mm-hmm. have to why be are they any compliant? different yes tampa bay rays they are going to display the montreal sign during playoffs and uh, uh, call us call it a, a custody uh, shared custody <laughs> moment uh, hmm. and this is interesting in in many ways because this could split the future of home schedules between the two cities gentlemen ladies and gentlemen lady and gentlemen lady and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, like yeah. it I, I I don't like it uh it can't happen until 2028 but there, apparently there's a there's a sort of a gentleman's agreement that the Tampa Bay Rays will, in that 2028 season, will start spring training in Tampa, open the season in Tampa, and then play the rest of the year in Montreal. And should they make the playoffs, they would split between Tampa and Montreal. I mean, who are we? What team are we? Are we Montreal? Are we Tampa Bay? What about families? Okay, I've got my children in school. Do I move them out and from Tampa up to Montreal? Oops, i got to move them back to Tampa right now. Taxes. There's an all kinds of issues here. I, I don't like it. It's not like... International taxes, no less, too. No no kidding. And, you know, it, 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 I, the, a lot for years and years and years, when, when teams were trying to build a regional fan base, like the Boston Celtics, even during the Larry Bird era, played five home games every year in Hartford, Connecticut, to try to build up a New England mm. fan base. But, you know, that was like a two-hour bus ride. This, this is Montreal and Tampa. This is a long plane ride. It's not necessarily the two cities that I would lump together as makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, Montreal baseball fans are kind of desperate for some baseball, right? I mean, they have seen, I think, half a dozen games played in Montreal since the Expos left the city. Um, and each time those preseason games have drawn about 100,000 fans to Olympic Stadium. So there's definitely a market there, and that's who benefits, right? The businessmen and and women who are looking at this as an opportunity. Personally, I I wonder how much of this is a ploy to put pressure on you know, create some leverage to for local governments to maybe pony up more cash for a new ballpark. You know, you've seen this happen before in other sports with other teams in other cities. Bingo, Scarlett. You know, I, I've been to this uh, Tropicana Field in Tampa a number of times. And, and? And, and you have to drive from Tampa along this uh, very, you know, causeway, which, you know, during daylight hours, you know, it's fine. But nighttime, it can be a little bit 
perilous, you know, a little bit intimidating. So a lot of the people, especially the the elderly, aren't going to get in their car and drive a car around this 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 long causeway out to St. Petersburg to watch baseball games. They only average nine thousand three hundred seventy people per game. The answer is to build a stadium down close to. The uh, uh, Raymond James Stadium where the Buccaneers play. There's also a great arena uh, downtown where the Tampa Bay Lightning play. This is a hotbed right now. The all teams are winning championships or appearing in World Series. I agree with you, Scarlett. I think it's a little bit of a strong-arm play to get a stadium built in Tampa and take it out of St. Petersburg. Yeah, the answer seems to always be build a new stadium, doesn't it, Michael Barr? Yeah, and, and, and Old Man Barr has a, a stupid question. It, why not just simply... If we're going to do, let's expand the the major league teams. If you want to do that, go ahead. Why not bring back Montreal? Yeah, but the problem I have is that baseball, major league baseball, took over ownership of the Expos in 2004 because they were not financially solvent and they were not attracting fans. And they moved them to Washington. They, the Montreal Expos are now the Washington Nationals. So if it failed once, why are we going to go back and do it again with major league baseball? We've already got one team in Canada that had a huge problem this mm-hmm. year because they couldn't play any home games because of COVID. Let's move on to the Ryder Cup, <laughs> and I and I. It, it, Charlie, extraordinary engineer and producer, and the U.S. won the Ryder Cup, and he said, hey, did you see the clip of the uh, golfers uh, drinking beer? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Were they at the bar Is that afterwards? not done? Oh, <laughs> well, if you haven't seen this video, apparently, it, let me set it up right quick. Kind of what happened here. Uh, the U.S., as you know, they won, They and they had a sizable lead. And as they're on the course, now we we really haven't gotten into heated competition yet. All of a sudden, uh, some people in the gallery throw the golfers, uh, and they weren't really going to play. These weren't the golfers that were going to play. But they threw them beers. And so the golfers said, you know what? (laughs) That looks tasty. (laughs) And they cracked open, and they... Chugged the beer. Now the crowd loved it, and then of course you know the crowd started chanting USA, USA. Uh, my question is: uh, Is it? Um, let me let me put it this way: uh, Was it tasteful? Not. I'm not talking about the beer. I'm talking if you want about- to capture the younger generation, then it certainly was very effective. How about that? It worked. It, it can go viral. I mean, our producer Charlie just said, you know so that I can understand whether this is normal or not in the in the land of golf. It's as if the Rangers came back uh, after the second intermission for, at the beginning of the third period and were warming up and some fans tossed uh, the fourth liners a, a can of beer and they decide to open up and start chugging it before the game resumed. You know, is that normal? Maybe in hockey it's a little bit more normal. I'm guessing in golf it's not. Well, these two players, Daniel Berger and Justin Thomas, were not playing in the afternoon session. They came out, and they they actually started throwing beers into the crowd. The crowd threw a couple of them back to them. So they said, you know what, we're going to be good sports, we're going to participate, and they just, one of them, I think Thomas got down on one knee and just fired a beer, Daniel Berger did the same, and like Rob Gronkowski, they spiked the beer right on the tee, and the place just went absolutely crazy. Do we know what kind of beer this is? Was this part I, of I, any I, kind of marketing ploy or sponsorship opportunity? I, I, I don't think the, I don't think the, the fans and, and, and the guys were that clever. I think they just, mm. uh, whatever Well, someone's going to come in here, some marketing person's going to come in here and be like, let's redo <laughs> this, you know, for the next big golf tournament and make sure that our name is played 
plastered all over the um, the backdrop. <laughs> you know who's drinking beers? Now, I got to bring it up. I'm sorry. The Detroit Lions. You know why ah. the Detroit oh, Lions? Oh, your Detroit Lions bar. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm watching this game. They're playing the Ravens. Lions have the lead. This is the last play of the game for the Ravens. And Justin Tucker comes out, and he's going to kick a 66-yard field goal, according to the attempt. And I'm thinking, you know, this is like, you know, Tom Dempsey. That's unheard Dempsey. of. Tom yeah. Dempsey's rolling over in his grave. Yeah. <laughs> this, he's not going to make that. And as I'm saying it, it, it goes and it hits the crossbar. And I'm thinking, oh, it, it was close. It hit the crossbar. But, of course, because we're the Detroit, the Detroit Lions, plink, it went over. And that was the 1917 win for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I, 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 I've seen the Lions lose a lot of games, but this one was special. Uh, this I, I couldn't believe it. I, Did you put any money on this one, Bar? Oh, heck yeah. I put, I'm, I'm <laughs> but sorry. on this part of the game. Well, no. I mean, I, I, what I put on was that, that the Lions was, were going to win the game outright. And I had it. I, I had it going. I said, there's no way in the world he's going to kick this thing. And Justin Tucker, well, hey. You did. And get this, Michael Barr. When Tom Dempsey kicked his then-record 63-yard field goal with a club foot, he had half a foot, half a right foot. 1970 against the November Saints. 8, 1970, against your Detroit That's Lions. That's right. <laughs> We've seen this movie before. Why are the Detroit Lions always involved in this? Because a cold wind blows on us. Is mm. The football gods do not like us. I've seen so many games. I've seen the final play where Aaron Rodgers throws a, a catch. All the Lions are there except one Packer. And that one Packer catches the football and wins the game. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. (laughs) We're here every day for you on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. You can catch that wherever you get your Apple Podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me crying on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You know what? If you follow him on Wednesday, he won't be crying because he'll have had a couple of days to recover from the NFL uh, weekend. <laughs> I'm Scarlett Foo at Scarlett Foo. And I'm Mike Lynch wishing nothing but sunshine and fair winds for the good people in the city of Detroit. You can follow me <laughs> at Lynchy WCBB. I'm going to spike a beer too, just like drunk. Uh, by the way, I think I told you this, but I'm going to tell you again. You can catch this anywhere our podcast either from your Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.